This is the Cheryl Stroud Skin 365 Expert Podcast, and I'm Cheryl Stroud. We are talking with Beth Kennerson. I want to just warn you that this is an hour and a half of information-packed material for you to brand your business 24-7. Beth is just amazing and just so sweet, and she is going to give you so much information about branding, thinking about your business, and then talking about content creation, which she does with Esthetician Success Lab. Let's start with Beth. You started out as a, a flight attendant, and then how did you get into aesthetics? I have always loved ingredients and the way things feel and the way things smell to an extent like you know so it's, if it's like an essential oil driven aroma but i did not know that there was an aesthetics license which i mean don't ask me what i was thinking i mean obviously i know that someone has to go to school to learn hair but it never even dawned on me that there was this place that you could go to learn all things skin or begin to learn all things skin and so I think I was uh, living in New Jersey. I was Newark based with the airline and I started looking into it. And I think I came across you know, aesthetic school and I was like, Whoa, what, is, what is this thing? What is this place? And so I started looking into it, looking into it, digging. At the same time, I decided I wanted to transfer to Chicago to fly nothing but international. I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to move to Chicago you know, change my, my, my flying schedule and routes and I'm going to look into aesthetics. So I picked a school, um, everything was going great. And right after I moved to Chicago, nine <clears throat> uh, 11 happened. And so there were of course all sorts of upsets in terms of like, you know, uh, scheduling and, and of course furloughs. And I was junior enough at the time where, um, I wasn't sure if I'd be furloughed enough, but I wanted to be furloughed. <laughs> I was like, sweet, you're going to pay and not pay me. I can keep my benefits, all my benefits. Um, and I can go, you know, I can just go away and I can, you know, get out of plant beds for maybe a couple, you know, two, three months. And that's fantastic. So I was like, please furlough me. And I didn't get furloughed. I was like, what the heck? So I was like, I had to keep going to work. <laughs> and I wanted that time off so I could go to aesthetic school. And so there was another round and I put in for another voluntary furlough and I got it. So I was like, sweet. So I immediately, um, uh, signed up for school. I went to a pivot point. Um, I don't think their pivot point is on the outside of schools anymore. Like their pivot point programs and curriculum, but it was a pivot point at the time. Um, some people who are familiar with the area might know is the, the Irving Park location or Irving, um, the location on Irving Park Road it was like a bomb shelter. It was awful. <laughs> but I now know like fast forward 17 years. And seeing what other people's experiences are and what they're getting from their programs. I had a really, really great teacher. Her name was Garcia Nelson and a really strong program and a really strong start. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. So I took the furlough, went to school, was 750 hours in Illinois. And then, you know, I, you know, just move forward, move forward from there. So that's how I got started. Didn't know what it was. I mean, I was getting my brows done in college and like never gave any thought to, how this woman got there. <laughs> what do you do? How do you do this? So I just kind of dug around and, and, and found it. So then how did you get from aesthetics and your practice in aesthetics to the business side of aesthetics? 
So when I finished school, like a whole lot of people, and, and of course you, you can attest to this, is that when we, I'll just go and say we finished school, there weren't like Massage Envy and Massage Heights and Phoenix Salon Suites and, you know, uh, European Wax Center. Now there's you know, the Lash Bar. There's a million places you can go now to at least get your start that are aesthetic specific. So like everybody else, I went and I was the esthetician in a in a hair salon. You know, here's my little closet over here and with my little bed in it. And I thought and I and I liked it, but I was like, I don't I don't want to be in this environment. Like I want to do all things skin all the time. I don't want to be the person who's like, Can I give you a hand treatment while your hair color, you know, finish processes? So I started looking around at you know, other jobs and I was putting an esthetician, 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 and then I was like, Oh, let me put in sales rep. Let me put in um, uh, instructor, things like that. And, of course, then a whole world opens up because that's not the way jobs are listed for industry, I think, even now, unless you are an esthetician in the room. So I, when I put that in, all the stuff opened up, and I found a position um, with BioElements. Uh, they were, you know, they're based in Illinois, and they were hiring a um, – think at the time they were called um, learning coach and I thought ooh, that's something I could do in conjunction with working in the treatment room so at the same time I found a position as a a learning coach with them uh, and I found a position in in the treatment room at a place that was nothing but skin so you know I I got kind of got both my wishes but I knew that I wanted to combine the two I wanted to continue taking clients but I also wanted to learn about the marketing and the sales and the classroom, uh, cu- classroom, how to build curriculum mm-hmm. and how to explain ingredients and and share what I knew as I continued to grow. So that's what I say when I mean the business side is not that certainly if you're, you know, quote, o- you know, only in the treatment room, of course, you're running a business. If this is a story. You've got your taxes and your write offs and your scheduling and your client management. With, but I also was interested in like the corporate manufacturer side. Mm-hmm. And so um, I read in Shelley Handbook's book, um, Hancock's book, that um, you said uh, people should create a niche in this industry. Uh, mm-hmm. So how is the best way to do that? And then you also said once you do that, create a brand and nurture it 24-7. Right. <clears throat> so I think – that everyone's got an opportunity to polish something they do really well. And sometimes initially you just, you just do all the things because people of your client asks for it because you see somebody else offering it because you think you'll like it. You know, I, the one time point time I trained to do lash extensions and I hated it. I did, for some reason in my head, I thought I'd love it. And then I started doing, I was like, this is not for me. This is, uh, this is everything. This is the polar opposite of what I thought I was getting into. But maybe you do, um, you you do facials and waxing, um, and all in, and lash and brow tinting. And, but then you realize, you know what? I'm really, really good at resilience. Like I'm super fast. I'm super efficient. So you start promoting Brazilians in a, in a, in a different way. Like, you know, this is my, my eight minute Brazilian. And inside this eight minute Brazilian, you also get, you know, you get icy globes, you get a post cooling balm, you get, and you build it into this, this super distinct special 
service. So, you know, there's a hundred places in town that are offering the Brazilian, for example, but you're the one who's doing it in this particular way. And so in that way, your business begins to grow. And pretty soon, maybe you're doing 75% Brazilians, 25% facials, or, you know, it, maybe that's brows and you're the only person who's doing a quick cleanse beforehand. Then you're finishing the brow. Then you're putting a physical SPF on the brow. <laughs> so you're creating something that is yours where someone else goes somewhere else to get their brows done and realizes they didn't get even half of what you do in that same, that same window of time, then they're, they're going to come back to you like, well, shoot, Cheryl does, Cheryl does this amazing thing, like $2 more. This is a, and then they, you know, people start putting out positive reviews and you're tagging you on Instagram and it kind of blows out that way. And now that's something that everybody offers, but you're really good at, you're really special at it. Yeah. Do you know some of the young girls are doing the facials? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and butt <laughs> facials too, which I can't believe people are actually doing them, but you know, like as clients, but they are doing such a great, uh, business yeah. doing those. And, and not only growing in popular, but I was uh, telling my students recently, I said, you know, once again, back in 1941, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, Brazilians and bikinis were not, I guess the norm, like it might have been offered, but now it's as normal as you know going to Starbucks or you know that type of thing. Like you've got this, you've, this is a standing appointment for a lot of people. Yeah. They wouldn't dream of not getting it done. And I think the the vajayshal, um or like V line refined, as I sometimes say if when I'm building a menu for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it, cause I, and people will know this from the like, Facebook groups. I'm like, it's not a vagina. You're not in the vagina's on the inside. You keep cuts and it's not your face. I know <laughs> about that. Can we find something else to call it? Not that there's anything wrong with the word vagina, but right. um, maybe we can find some other terms for that, but that's what people know it as. And now that, that's beginning to, to be popular. Like I have a really good client in cheese is in Brooklyn. And she's got a whole, you know, you can just add it on as a given. Like maybe you have a lot of ingrowns in that area or it's dry or the texture's poor or you've got hyper, um, post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. You can schedule them, schedule them together. Your Brazilian plus your, your vajayshal on every single month. Yeah. So it's a widely accepted ther- therapy, which, you know, it's, you know, people have got challenges, um, challenges below the waist too. Yeah. Similar to what we've got here. Yeah. Well, um, a lot of my students, we, uh, teach them dermaplaning. So they, um, that really works for the, uh, butt facial. Sure. So, sure. yeah, they get all the peach fuzz off <laughs> and then they do the facial. Yeah, right. And you never know what somebody, what somebody's got going on yeah. in that area where you like, you take a look and you're like, Oh, wait a minute. Oh yeah. We've got some tools to address this. Hold on a second. <laughs> But, and I love how excited a lot of them are about it. Like, they're like, sweet, you can do that to my butt. I'm like, yeah, every single week, take the pants off and we'll do a peel and we'll do this and we'll do that. So it's nice that they, they like, they're open-minded they're open to it. They, you know, can customize the treatment. So yeah, things have changed a lot, but you no, know, in a good way. 
Yeah, well, and then also the backside has uh, like keratosis pilaris that a lot of people uh, can't manage. Cool. And so uh, mm-hmm. having an esthetician do that for them is really yeah. helpful. And underneath, you know, underneath the breast and you know, wherever, you know, skin is, is hot or hidden or chafing or there's something to be done for it. So what do you tell people about nurturing that brand 24-7? What, what does that look like to you? I think I'm talking about it a lot. So, for example, um, making it a focus. So if you're like, I think I'm moving away from facial treatment. I, I'm not going to stop doing it all together. But if you're going to focus on, let's just say um, you're going to nurture your brand as an acne specialist. So you need to make that the focus of, of your Instagram account. Make that all, you know, make sure that you're emailing acne management tips to your clients. Cause so you might, maybe you're like, like right now I don't have a huge acne clientele, but my guess what? My big clientele has friends and family and siblings and kids who are struggling with acne. So I'm going to do a, you know, a weekly acne management tip. I'm going to take extra classes to help me grow in the area of acne management. I'm going to maybe do a small in-house line to target to target breakouts and start that way. So people seeing you shifting your focus and your expertise to that. So in everything that you do and everything you touch, uh, you're rolling uh, rolling acne into it, or running your rolling your growing acne expertise into it. So now you just said, talk a lot about it, but you have another philosophy as well, um, was listen more, talk less. So explain <laughs> explain that for us. Well, <laughs> my people my, my, my people who know me best were like, really, Beth said that? Because <laughs> Beth talks a lot. <laughs> but here's the thing is, I think there's a tendency particularly, you know, we as estheticians like, oh, well, I can, I can do all the things and I know all the things out of the gate. And that's not, that's not true. Just because you're an esthetician doesn't mean you can speak on everything under the aesthetics umbrella. So I, I need to reach out to an expert when it comes to talking about lasers. I am not the fastest Brazilian waxer in the room and probably never will be. Um, There's, you know, there's things that, I'm just not that great at, I'm not, not an expert on injectables. So when I come across something I don't know that much about, like I zip it, I find somebody else to talk about it expert, expertly. But I think sometimes we just throw stuff out there. Like I think this, or I feel that is, well, I mean, is that true or not? You can't just throw out an idea. You know, aesthetics is rooted in science. So, so I think sometimes we tend to like try to marry a topic with how we feel about it, and that's not that's not legitimate. Like just because you feel that about a certain way about something doesn't make it so. So sometimes we just need to say, you know, I don't know anything about that. Let me stop what I'm doing and learn the ABCs about it before I proffer an opinion. Also, I think we have to be careful as estheticians, if we really want to elevate the industry, that we shouldn't talk about things we don't know, because then we're misinforming people and it makes us look like a, um, a profession that's not professional. It's all over the place. Literally, like you threw glitter in the air and all, or, you know, paper, shredded paper and everything fell everywhere. And people are looking at us like, do you, I don't think you really know what you 
what you mean or what you're talking about. And I, I mention that sometimes with people, I say, you know, so that's, that's not accurate. That's not how that works. Um, I hope you're not sharing that with your client because, you know, all your, sometimes we're, we're not experts yet on sometimes. And so I see someone put forth in a, um, a statement about something and I think, God, I hope you're not sharing that with your client. What if your client is a biologist? You don't know they're a biologist or right. a doctor or a dentist or a scientist or, or a researcher. And if you say something to them that's highly inaccurate or, um, or just not true at all, they know that you don't know what you're talking about. And that lowers, you know, lowers the bar for us across the board. Oh, you're an esthetician? Mm. <laughs> you, you should, I'm not sure you know what you think you know. Right. And I think that even if our clients aren't biologists, that our clientele nowadays is becoming extremely sophisticated in the services oh. that are provided by us because a lot of them uh, want to do the um, like lunchtime treatments like Botox fillers, they, things like that, that they can go in and go out. And so they are dealing with the doctor who's talking to them about things. And sometimes, funny enough, the doctors don't know enough right. about skin so then mm -hmm. they come back to us and if we don't know how to explain it then they feel that the doctor's more um knowledgeable than we are which in a lot of cases it's not true when it comes right yeah like and i 100 percent you know understand like you're the medical professional the one who identifies disease the one with you know with the pathology expertise that type of thing but when it comes to ingredients and you know epidermal skin health yeah it's the bar is kind of low a lot of times in that setting i think getting better but often often low and we see that when our clients come to us and say my doctor told me to put this on my skin and they're like really for your acne because that's like a top three four clogger and you know and i'm not saying you know bashing your physician but here's how skin works and why that's going to clog your pores but you hit uh hit on the head cheryl regarding there's not only so many resources for the esthetician's client base to go to to get information, but really good resources. So if you're not, so it's important to you know, stay on top of things, to read a study, to get go several layers deeper into whatever it is you're trying to learn about. Because if you don't, you're, you, while you're not doing that, just because you're an esthetician, your client is. Your client's digging deeper than you are when they find out that you're not well versed in it or you're not, you don't, may not know anything about something, they're not going to come back or they're going to, you know, giving you kind of a side eye like, hmm, I don't think that, I don't think that's accurate. But and I think, you know, lots of people don't like, they're looking to say, I'm an esthetician, I'm an esthetician, I'm an esthetician. And you want to be the expert, um, you have to, I guess, behave like the expert. Are you doing your homework? every single day so sometimes you're like I, I wish i knew as as much about ingredients as you do how do i learn that i i want and i was tough it's the old-fashioned way <laughs> i can't i can't open your brain and put it in there for you i got that by by, by reading reading researching some people lay in bed playing candy crush i lay in bed you know, six pages deep into a single ingredient or the component of a single ingredient. I love that. That's my passion. That's what I do. But I don't know that we put enough stock in the requirement 
to to maybe not master ingredients. I mean, I'm never going to be a master of ingredients. There's a, a zillion of them out there, but you've got to commit time, regular time to it. If that's something that you want to be good at. And you can't get your information from you know, a blog in Self Magazine. You can't get your information from bloggers. You can't get your information from a uh, from an influencer. I mean, where'd they get their information? Right. <laughs> so you got to do the homework yourself. Yeah, they're you got to dig in. The influencers are influenced by the people who are paying them. <laughs> Right. Like Neutrogena so, said. Yeah. So, yeah, I tell a lot of estheticians that they really have to um, become scientists and yeah. stop becoming consumers. Stop the consuming and become scientists. And, and exactly what you're saying is you've got to – I spend my time uh, the same way. I'm always reading. I'm always taking some kind of free certification or paid certification just so that I can understand and I'm always asking the main question why because mm -hmm. I don't believe I'm a doubter I don't believe anything anybody tells me even myself after I've done it <laughs> great research and I don't that's believe you right, yeah. <laughs> right that's not true um, yes because um, that why is really important for us as estheticians to answer for our clients Mm -hmm. Yeah, I frequently say that there's nothing more important than why. Because if I tell my client, like maybe they bring a product to me and they say, I'm using this and I really, really like it. I can't just tell them, I'm the esthetician and I said, don't use that. <laughs> I have to say, oh, let me take a peek at that. It's got, mm -hmm, okay, great. This has got this type of vitamin C in it. I would, um, and there's, you know, nothing super wrong with this product at the end of the day, but I'd love to see you using this product. And here's why. And I have to be able to explain to you that this one's got three different types of vitamin C in it that address your, um, your pig, your, um, post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation differently, here's how it does it differently. Because I, I, I'm with you. Like, if you can't explain to me why, I mean, sure, from a young age, like your, your parent says no, or you're like, well, why? Or they, you, I need you to show, tell, give me a reason why I should or should not do something. And that's where a true expert comes in. If you need to be able to tell your client what will happen if you use this instead of this. Here's why I'm telling you what I'm telling you. I tell my students now, it's like, I need you to put, I need, I don't want you guys to be Instagram estheticians. I see you all looking and searching and asking questions based on what you found online. I was like, I want you, you know, if you don't understand something, say, hey, Miss Beth, tell me, tell me why. I said, I'm, I'm never going to tell you anything I can't explain to you. I'm never going to be the person who's like, oh, because I said so, or because, or I'm not sure. If I tell you something, I'm going to be able to back it up and give you some evidence to back it up. I don't just want you to tell you things you need to run off with them. I don't ever want you to tell somebody, my teacher said. I mean, please don't say my teacher said. I mean, that's the, that means you don't own the information yet. I um, I'm laughing because when my students say that, like when I send them out to the world and I say, if you ever, if I ever hear that you said my teacher said, I will come to that establishment myself and fire you. So um, that's why it's funny when you said that because I'm in agreement and it's, 
you want them to, we're just giving the basic information and they've got to go take it and fly and, and, and learn. Help you put your scaffolding together. Right. <laughs> and then you, I need you to you know, use that scaffolding to get somewhere. So that leads us into like learning the ropes. Like how does an esthetician learn the ropes in this industry? You know, when I say, I think there's a, first and foremost, there's a time investment. And there's a time investment. There's a need to do something repetitively before you can like, whip it out super fast. And I think there's also what we would already said is putting the work in yourself. Uh, we, you know, the groups are the Facebook groups are great for, I think if you plug in, um, well, lots of things like you know, best wax, cause we never see that asked. What's the best hard wax? But I, I see tons and tons and tons of questions where I'm like, you should not be relying on a bunch of strangers in a social media, on a social media platform to get that information. Um, you need to dig in and find that out for yourself in order to find out what's the right fit to find out if that really works for you. You can't just really take someone's word for it. You've got, you've got to put the work in yourself. Uh, I mean, what are you going to do if it goes wrong? Oh, well, somebody in a Facebook group told me to do this thing or somebody said, or I heard you could take all that off the table if you do the work you're set, you're, do the work yourself and said, here's where I found this information. Here's why this is, this is this and this is that. I, when I was doing this coursework with the SBA, <laughs> I learned that instead of just somebody told me or I heard that, which is the worst. So, but literally learning the ropes is a time investment. Like when my students are doing, um, to say, you know, maybe maybe a, la a lash lift or even, a, you know, a leg wax or something. Sometimes I'm like, hey, I need you to speed that up. And they're like, I don't know how to speed it up. I'm like, let me show you. It's like, you know, it's like you're going to get faster naturally. That's where the time investment comes in. And, and the repetition is like pretty soon you're going to be whipping this out. And that's the only way to learn the ropes is is uh, putting it putting putting in the work. Sometimes I say, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. Somebody says, you know, I've been an esthetician for, let's just say, almost two years, and I'm thinking of coaching other people. Uh, um, <laughs> are you, are you, and then somebody'll be like, do you think that's a good idea? If you have to ask if that's a good idea, it's probably not. But you also have to think, who are you going to coach with 18 months of experience? Um, people with two months of experience, because if someone comes in with 10 years, how are you going to coach them and what are you going to coach them on? And I'm not saying, you know, trying to squash that, like, you forget about coaching, but maybe you need a little more time and experience under your belt to turn around and tell other people everything. So just, you know, put, it's a time investment. That's, that's, that's the bottom line. Well, I think, um, you know, a good five years, in any job that I've ever been in makes you really uh, experience pr pretty much the whole gamut of what you could be experiencing. There's always going to be something lurking around the corner, but at least that length of time you have experienced lifting someone's face when you wax or, you know, yeah. a major injury or that you bruise someone or, and you, and you dealt with the liability problem and There's some chemical peel in somebody's eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, or the lash lift, uh, chemicals or the um 
the lash extension glues that have you know given people allergic reactions. So sure. if you haven't experienced that, then you don't know how to handle it, and mm -hmm. you really uh, can't mentor someone when you haven't experienced those things. Yeah. Something so. as simple as I saw the other day. Um, someone was saying, here's the flush that, that results from um, a certain um, enzyme from a company we, we both know well, but whose enzymes I adore. And they were showing the flush and the person's face was, you know, brighter and deeper than the color of your shirt. I mean, they were just like literally fire engine red from here to here. And if you know the ropes, <laughs> then you realize, you know what, that client's gonna walk out the door in half an hour fully restored to their normal skin tone. But if you don't, if you haven't been there, done that, you're like, oh, what am I going to do? Oh my God, I'm so scared. I'm freaking out now. Shh. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. But if you haven't literally been there, done that, how do you coach someone else through that? Right. It, it's imperative. And I think that's, that's kind of a good marker is um, roughly, roughly five years. Now, if all you've ever done is lashes, like you've got your, let's say you've got your, um, your license to specifically only do one thing, like some people do in some states, you know, sometimes you have to have an aesthetics license in order to do lash extensions. You've already, you've had, you know, maybe you've had a thousand clients under your belt in two and a half years. That's a little bit different. You know, because you've, you've been taking 10 clients a day for, you know, for a couple of years. But in terms of if you're full service and you do all the things, you, there's still a lot to, there's a, still a lot to cover. Like you said, it's around the corner. You don't know that it's coming yet. Yeah. Yeah. So with that being said, with all those things that can happen, how does an esthetician speak for up for herself, whether it's to the client or in a job? You know, like to the employer. I think I saw your your, your question about that. I, I think that part of that is is rooted in knowledge, the speaking up for ourselves, because you can't speak confidently about something you're not confident in. But we, we need to stop apologizing. Women have got to stop apologizing for the tiniest thing. Um, instead of apologizing, make an explanatory statement. Instead of apologizing, say, this is, this is how this thing is and here's why. So we've got to stop apologizing for things that aren't our fault. We've got to, we've got to stop asking for a million opinions and start forming opinions. That's how you stand up, you know, part of how you stand up for yourself. Because when we just apologize and we ask and ask and ask and we haven't mastered things, we let things happen to us versus being proactive. So part of standing up for yourself is um, making things happen rather than letting them happen. Because if you're confident and independent, that, that, that shifts. You stop being, and I'm not going to use like the word victim, but until you know what you're talking about, everything is, I'm sorry, I wasn't sure, I don't know why this happened. So you've got to, once again, you know, kind of own, you know, own your knowledge. And I think we speak up for ourselves, not only as estheticians by, but as women, by what we, yeah, by what we don't do. So if you don't, I tell people this time, if you don't have policies for your business, 
you're kind of screwed. I mean, because every time you turn around, it's like, well, I want a refund. Well, I don't like this, so you're going to do this for me instead. Well, I'm not going to show up and I'm not going to pay you. But if you have policies and you enforce those policies, now you're in the driver, you're in the driver's seat or you have more, more control about what happens to you. Now, what's what I mean when I'm saying what we don't do affects us and keeps us out of the driver's seat or keeps us from standing up for yourself. If you didn't have a policy that said, don't do this thing, now you don't have a leg to stand on. But it's easier for you to speak up for yourself when you say, here are my policies, here are my expectations, here's how this relationship will go. You, better, you kind of have to take control. And that starts to, you know, really small and grows. So, Beth, that brings us to what we were saying in the very beginning of our conversation was it's also cultural, this talking up for yourself, because there's negative connotations to it. So uh, what do you recommend people do if they're struggling with that speaking up for themselves? There's one uh, res uh, result that they can do is to know their business. But yeah. the other one is, I know my business, but I still say those things like, oh, I'm so sorry, because now it's ingrained in me. Mm -hmm. So what, what do you recommend that people do to deal with that to overcome it? I think before, is sometimes it's as, as simple as deciding how you want things to go. Almost like, map, like almost building a map for yourself. Like when this thing happens in the future, here's how I'm I'm going to handle it. And that might be. I mean, if you're mid, maybe you've been in business for 18 months with with no policies. You know, you can. It's your business. Put your policies in place today. Send those policies out. And it doesn't have to like bring down the hammer. Just so you know, we're, we're we're shifting things here at ABC Skin Clinic. Uh, moving forward, this is how things will be laid out. So now you've set an expectation. But what I tell people is if you don't enforce your policies, they still don't exist. So let your policies speak for you, like put them out ahead of you. But also, if you've got somebody who's really mad and your, your first your first inclination is to say, I'm so sorry, that you can instead instead take a moment. Am I sorry? Is this my fault? Is this something I could have fixed? And it's okay to, to take an hour or a day uh, to respond to somebody so that you can uh, get your response in order. And as you move through your response, even if you have to write it out, take out the parts that say, I'm sorry, if there's nothing you should be sorry for. So you can work with somebody and be super polite to somebody and offer resolutions to someone without uh, without being sorry about it. So you know, and that's another thing too, you know, in terms of conflict resolution is how, what, what can I offer you to make this better? I don't have to be sorry. <laughs> I just need to offer you a way to, a, uh, a way out of it that makes you feel better. You know, so think, don't, don't think about apologies. Think about strong customer service. Well, I think that you and I come from backgrounds where we have had that experience and knowledge of the word you just used, uh, conflict resolution. <laughs> and that's a big word for, that's a big statement for a lot of estheticians because they're not taught that in school mm -hmm. or maybe in life. So mm -hmm. what is conflict resolution? Ooh, gosh, Cheryl. <laughs> Jeez, anything else I can help? <laughs> I think, too, you know, 
once again, taking a little bit of a timeout. How did we get to this point? Why did this happen? So why don't trying to think of, con, of, of what well, a conflict might be that right. we could well, first conflict, set up fall for somebody. Yeah, well, first, conflict resolution is a technique. It's an actual a learned technique that we mm-hmm. learn in communication classes and, and things uh, like not, that. You know what? Actually, show, not getting defensive. Yeah. Not getting defensive is a huge one. Not letting your emotions enter it, which for a lot of people, again, is, is very, very difficult. Particularly, I'm going to just go ahead and say it, if you're, if you're younger, you're going to be like, I didn't do that, and I don't like her, and she just wants to hurt me, and she doesn't like me, and she's jealous. To take all that off the table. You know, you've got to you know, keep it black and white, keep it business-minded, think about working through it step-by-step step in order to make the person... And you can't make them happy. You're never going to make anybody happy, but if you can... It, meet their expectation in some way. Like they expected one thing to happen. Tell me how I can fix this for you. Will you give me an opportunity to make it right for you? Asking questions because a lot of times with, con- with when you're in a conflict, sometimes it's important to find out what the other person wants, what the other person needs. Did they have an expectation that was not met? So those are those are responsibilities that that you want to that you have. Let me let me run down this checklist and see if I can and check these off. And once I find maybe their problem is different than what you thought it was. And so if you find out what your client wants and what they need, and you can deliver that for them, that'll help you out of a bind. Instead of being defensive and jumping to, well, you said this and you said, don't worry about that. Don't worry about how you feel. Find out how your client feels. Yeah, and I think that circles back to your uh, listen more, talk less philosophy of when you ask open-ended questions to the person, you find out a whole bunch of things that actually had nothing to do with you. That's exactly it. Yeah. They're probably, and there's not, I don't care who you are, if you're like a CEO or you're, you know, asking for change outside a post office, or everyone wants to be seen and heard, listened to. They want someone to just hear them out for a minute. And sometimes when you let your, your client, for example, talk it out and explain things to you and tell them why they're mad or why they're upset, or you'll be like, wow, I, I can fix that. That's that's not a big deal anymore. Why didn't you say so? No, but when you start inserting your stuff and talking back and getting upset, you don't get anywhere. It kind of throws a roadblock in there. So hearing other people out can erase a whole lot of you know upset and drama, a lost client, a bad review, is saying, tell me what I can do to fix this for you. Right. Um, a lot of estheticians in this uh, scenario, too, they're working for other establishments. You know, they're working for spas that are not theirs. But you um, also have stated uh, work for yourself. You're working for yourself even when you're working in a spa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? So I, I like to tell my, my, my students that when you're that you're the one percent in your treatment room. And like we, we talk about and joke about in, in particularly in this country that there's the one percent and they kind of control everything and make all the decisions and have all the money, et cetera, et cetera. This is an analogy that I make that when you're that door closes 
and you're in the treatment room with your client, you make all of the decisions. Like no one is there next to you saying, oh, no, use that one, use that exfoliant instead of that one. Um, make sure to ask them if they want a knee roll behind their, their, um, behind their knees. Make sure you do, you know, don't retail this and not that. But once you're in the room, you're, it's just the two of you. So it's you sharing your expertise with your client. So you have a responsibility to make all the decisions for their skin health. You have a responsibility to pick the right products to send them home with. You have a responsibility for their comfort level, both you know, sometimes mentally and physically. And until the door opens again, you're kind of running your own little show. So um, and let's just say you don't want to run, you know, be in the employ of somebody long term. You've also got to have a running, a running social media presence. That's I'm going to say it's neutral because you don't want to compete with your employer. You don't want it to look like you're moonlighting or doing something else or disrespecting them. But you do have certainly have the right to be putting yourself out there as an as an aesthetics expert. And you should put your name on on your social media. So maybe it's, um, you know, I don't know, Beth Kennerson acne expert. So when you leave that place later down the road, somebody can find you um, if they if they want to, but you're still not disrespecting who you work for. But coming back to the treatment room, you being the one percent in there, you you're in control in there, like how you speak to them, how you make them feel. You're the reason that they come back again, not what was going on in the lobby, not what's going on in the break room, not what you, the, um, the culture of the, of the corporation that you work for. So it's just the two of you and you're making everything happen or not happen. Yeah. And then also, uh, having that running social media as, uh, you know, Beth Kenderson, acne specialist, you have to um, drive business for yourself as well. You can't count on your employer to drive mm -hmm. all the business. Mm -hmm. And let's say I do have, you know, a, a social media page called Beth Kenderson, acne expert. Um, they, I, like you said, I'm, uh, lots of employers tell us that, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll handle all the marketing. Oh yeah. We'll handle all this. We'll do that. And meanwhile, you're sitting around like, you gotta be kidding me. I don't have any clients. Yeah, I think it's it's smart to be super, super proactive. And maybe on that page, I'm sharing acne tips and I'm saying, hey, you know, come see me at, at blank, you know, blank spa. We've got openings that I've got an opening at one uh, and 430 on Tuesday or, hey, we're launching an acne boot camp. So you can promote both yourself and the spa from your neutral professional page without you know, stepping on without stepping on anybody's toes or getting into trouble. Yeah. you've got to promote yourself. That's all there is to it. Yeah. And then that leads me into my next question. Um, why should I appreciate my employer? Why should I appreciate my clients? So how do I practice appreciation? No, oh, how to, you know, we, we talk about you know, uh, gratitude journals and, it, and it, it, it runs similar to that is in terms of appreciation. Let's see. Um, you know, thinking about, you know, if you say, oh, oh, what I'm grateful for, it runs parallel with appreciation. But sometimes we achieve something and we don't stop long enough to be grateful for that thing or appreciate that thing because now it exists and it's just here. And I'm looking at that other thing that's out there without taking the time um, to, to uh, 
revel in the, the accomplishment at hand. I think sometimes taking a minute being like, you know, my book, my books are half full. Three months ago, they were empty. So taking a moment to, to re realize that that's a big deal. Look how, how far I've come. I think that you can be appreciative um, of little things that don't even have anything to do with the treatment room. Like I'm healthy. <laughs> I'm here in my own business, in my own space. I'm making my own rules. So you know, I think it runs in line with the gratitude journal. You know, what are things I appreciate today? Like I'm, I was able to take this class that brought me 10 more clients. Um, you can even take time to look, uh, look at this place that I'm in. I'm fortunate enough to get this far um, because the fact that I've gotten this far means that I'm now able to achieve the future goals that I've set for myself, whether three months out, nine months out, or a year out, or maybe they've been you know, three years out. So take the time to look around and say, you know what, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing so bad. Yeah, and I think sometimes as estheticians, or not just estheticians, all employees, they start to uh, get complacent and, they, and familiar when they've been at a place for a long period of time, and they forget to appreciate the things that are provided, because a lot of times an esthetician will say, oh, my employer is uh, never is cheap, they don't buy enough product. But they forget and that they have to appreciate that employer, because that employer is the one that's holding the bag for everything they've got the yeah. lights going on they've got the um heat going on they have the they you know the advertising they they're paying their franchise fees if they're a franchise or they're paying their corporate fees they're doing a lot of things and so yeah if there's not a lot of business coming in then they they can't support in the way they would like to doesn't mean they don't want to they just can't financially do so and that's why i was uh brought up that question of why are you um, you in a business in a business because it's it's a kind of a symbiotic relationship if you're bringing in business and they can provide the things you need and you're not taking that risk as an esthetician of owning your own business yourself yeah yeah and so, on that note right you it's almost like you know you've got a roof over your head <laughs> you've got a, you right. know, in, the, in the form of a job and doing your part um, makes you makes makes everything work better you know there's a gum wrapper on the floor pick it up you know grab a swiffer and take care of the retail because that, that retail is there for you to recommend to your client that came through the door because of the advertising and marketing that the corporation did so yeah it's got to be it's got to be full circle every everybody's got to work together right and that's how the appreciation manifests itself right if you if you appreciate that establishment you're going to pick up the wrapper and you're going to make sure it's clean like it would be your house it represents well and then it's sort of like the law of attraction when all that starts happening then more business comes in sure and and even you know well the spy did work out in Chicago for almost a, a decade you know, you, you greet everybody. So if I go out to go out to the seating area um, and I see somebody sitting over in the corner, I'm going to go, hi, how are you? Have you been taken care of? May I get you something? They're, for a massage. They're there for a massage. Okay, fantastic. I'm going to make sure that Cheryl knows you're here. In the meanwhile, can I bring you a water? Can I bring you a tea? And now they're like, who is that nice lady? <laughs> oh, that's Beth. That's one of our estheticians. Oh, does she have time for a facial today? I mean, little things like that. Like I said, it all, yeah. it all comes full circle. So now they feel welcome. They feel a part of what happens there. And that's the 1% too. Like, look, I, I've just put a client on my book. 
by making sure that a client of the business has been taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. So when I'm the one doing all of that and I'm getting the attention of clients and I'm starting to build my book because of it, then there's this competitiveness within a environment. So why should I not worry about the competition and run my own race? I think, you know, I just tell people who are worried about their competition, like these belong to me. <laughs> you can't, this belongs to me. And you mean your hands. Belong to me. People only hear yeah. us. So you, I'm sorry, Beth. People can only hear us. They don't see us. So, he, <laughs> so, so she's talking about her hands belong to her. <laughs> oh, sorry, Cheryl. <laughs> so for example, so for everyone listening, I was, you know, like kind of like almost doing jazz hands. Like these are my hands. So I was teaching at the International Dermal Institute in Chicago for a while, and even if I, if I, let's say I have a full house in that room, so a full house would have been 12 students, and we had, I think we had six treatment tables, so I've got 12 students in the room. So six on the tables, six are, are the working esthetician. I can, but at the end of the day, I've touched every all 12 of those people. Here's how this feels. Here's how this motion goes. Here's how that movement feels. You can't duplicate that. That's Beth Kennerson's touch. Now, uh, now you can develop your own fantastic touch. You can't take mine. Sometimes people don't want to mentor somebody else because they're afraid that person will steal their secrets or they'll steal what they've got. Nobody can apply something in the exact same way you do. I mean, it's, it's impossible. I don't care if they, you know, they go back to their own space and they paint the wall the same color, if they buy the same blanket for the treatment bed, if they bring in the same treat, the same, uh, the same product line. It's impossible for them to know the same tricks you do about that product line or move the brush in the same way you do or use the same, uh, of course they can use the same hashtags, but your relationship with the client who comes in the door, that's what keeps people coming back. How you speak to them, how you make them feel, how you follow up with them, the education that you that you provide for them when you're one-on-one -on -one in the treatment room. You've got to, you know, all of those things are uniquely yours. So if you, you and I work together, Cheryl, and I say, you know, and I, and I try to teach them, I mean, look, I think you and I both know this. I have tried to get people to do things exactly the way I do them. And it, and, and it doesn't work. And you're worried about somebody taking it who's not even in the treatment room with you. And, I, and I've been like, do it this way. And I show them, and I still do it a different way. I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> I'm trying to show you things. Do it like this. Are you still not going to do it like that? Okay, fine. It's, I think it's uh, sometimes it is a manufactured worry. Now, of course, you've got to defend yourself against someone who's stealing your creative identity. Of course, you've got to um, stay on top of what's of, of an evolving industry. But at the end of the day, you can't pour energy into things other people are doing. That's energy you could be spending on your own business. So if somebody else wants to do, you know, copy you, just you know, tweak it a little bit. Now, it's okay. Nobody can do exactly what you do at the end of the day. 
So you need to apply that energy to building your business around your needs, your passions, your priorities. That's why people are like, what do you think about my prices? You're the only person who can set your prices. And too often we like look at the, the prices of 10 other places and say, I'll just use, I'll just copy those. No one else's business uh, business expenses are the same as yours. Maybe you've decided you want to make a thousand dollars a day, and you can and you can't do that by copying other people's by copying somebody else's prices. You've got to you've got to do, and that takes us back to do, you know, putting the work in yourself, doing things your way. Well, here's what my water costs. Here's what does my electricity cost. I like to use sponges and not cotton, so that's a difference in pricing. But if your menu is amazing and your clients are returning and you've got these relationships that you've cultivated very carefully, why are you tracking someone else's business? I, you, you gotta, and that's why some people like, don't, don't tell me to stay in my lane. I, I, I wanna, I'm, I, I'll do what I wanna do. I don't know a single six-figure esthetician who's busy tracking someone else's business. Right. Not one. <laughs> They got to where they're going by doing their own thing. Yeah, I was um, a tennis player later in life. I still okay. am, but I was more competitive uh, in the in the past. But I was told once to play my tennis game, not the other person's, because almost inevitably, if I played their tennis game, say they were just a slower hitter or just like stayed at the baseline all the time, and I always came up to net, mm-hmm. that. I would inevitably lose every single time if I played their game. Mm-hmm. So that's going to uh, your point is if you're too busy tracking and putting energy to everybody else's um, activities, you're not mm-hmm. focused on what you're doing. And we all know that what you focus on actually gets achieved. Sure. So yeah. if, if I'm focused on the competition then I'm achieving nothing because I'm helping them somehow, right? If I uh, focused on my own stuff, then I will actually uh, flourish. Right. It's like there's dust bunnies collecting in, in your living room because you're at the window with your binoculars, like looking out the window at your neighbor. <laughs> Go paint your own wall. Go back in your own house. Go, you know, start your, start dinner in your own, under your own roof. Yeah, it's like, seriously, I don't know anyone who's flourishing who's worried about somebody else, which right. doesn't mean you shouldn't pay attention. I mean, sometimes I look around, you know, they go, what? oh, what's, uh-oh, what's that? Is somebody, is that business kind of similar to Esthetician Success Lab? Okay, it's not. But I mean, of course I looked because I need to know, need to know what's going on. But I don't, I, I looked and then I kept on going. Right. I'm not going back every day like, ooh, I wonder what they're up to. Right, but there's just so much space in this world, too, that it's not even worth worrying about. If they're, if, yeah. if you're good at what you do and they're good at what they do, it, it gets its own audience, to, you know, because people resonate with you. Not everybody can like you, Beth. I'm sorry. But, oh, yeah, and you know, so there's a bunch of people who I'm sure don't, right. you know, and they don't <laughs> However, resonate. Right. I, you know, there's a lot of people who do. And yeah. that's just fine. I tell people, I'll say, like, don't like when we you, you know, this is an instructor where we're teaching people about the life cycle of, of, of a client or how to attract new clients. And I don't know if you use Prosper U. 
or if you're familiar with Prosper U. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a, it was a, um, a salon. I don't know which curriculum it goes with, but anyway, it talks about business and the business end of things and how to handle clients and how to build your books and all and the numbers and things like that. But well, there's a major component of it that talks about the life cycle of a client and what types of clients that you'll have in your business. You know, for example, at the very, very top, there's raving fans. You know, so let's just say that's like one to three percent of your business. These people are like, I would rather gnaw my own hand off than go anywhere besides Cheryl's, you know, Cheryl's skin clinic. I love Cheryl. She's everything. Why would I go somewhere else? And then from there, it, you know, the, the triangle gets wider. You've got people who are only seeing you because they're living in, in Hartford for a year. Cheryl, she does a great bikini. Yeah, she's friendly enough. And then it trickles on down. You got people just passing through, or the person who's never been anywhere more than once. But the, the bottom line is that you're you're always looking for new clients. You know, some people will leave you because they get sick, they move away, they decided they don't want to sh- uh, they don't want to do their brows anymore. Whatever the reason, so there's always room for somebody new to come through your door. And that's, you know, but we go get back to, you know, marketing and being the 1% is whether you work for yourself or someone else, how can I continuously market what I do and market my expertise to keep the wheel turning? Because people are dropping off of it all the time. Right. To no fault of your own. It's just just the um, nature of things. Yeah. Yes. yeah, Yeah. For whatever reason. They died, they moved, they, they don't want, want to get a facial anymore. Or yes, maybe Cheryl's client became Beth's client. And that's okay, because Cheryl's going to get a new client. Right, yeah. So I have to read this if you don't mind, because I've loved, oh. I've loved this statement. <laughs> oh, dear. So, because that leads us into um, aesthetics is a business. And so this is, I'm quoting you, repeat, <laughs> repeat after me. Aesthetics is a business, not a sideshow, not a hobby, not a sorority. The pros who make it the longest, who are making a comfortable living and continue to grow year after year, understand that an issue of Inc. magazine is equally as important as a class on advanced peels. I just love that statement Mm -hmm. because we don't talk about it enough in aesthetics and my, my I'm honing in on, it's not a sideshow. It's not a hobby. It's not a sorority. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think, you know, all the people, Think about all the people that are, you know, in our industry groups and, but as many people that are in those groups, there's many, many more who aren't even on Facebook. They're just running their business. They're doing their thing. That's what they do in and out or day in, day out is working, breathing, focusing on professional skincare and literally running a business and not maybe participating in, you know, social media at all. You know, and so, but I think that, you know, aesthetics is, is not just a business, but it's a billion dollar business. So, and it's not just the people who hold a piece of paper from the state. So, you know, quite frankly, you know, we know this, anybody, anybody can get an aesthetics license. That's all there is to it. You know, you sign up, you show up, you take the test, 
and now you've got a license. But the, 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 the world of aesthetics is so much bigger. And I run into an under a misunderstanding of that, particularly when the when the issue of channel comes up. So people get very upset when, oh, well, it's not professional, or it wasn't sold to you by an esthetician. But skincare and products and product function and ingredients and who it's sold to and retailing and merchandising and all the rest, that's that's black and white business. Whether you're going to somebody with a, who holds an aesthetics license or whether you're going to a Sephora or whether you are, um, whether you're buying it from, you know, some other big box retailer. So you've got to understand that it's a bigger picture than just your licensure or, or somebody getting, how do I explain this a little bit better? I don't know if I'm doing that, that <laughs> great an idea or that, that, that great a job, but it's, it's a bigger picture than just your license. You've got to see the ins and the outs and the marketing and the channel. And kind of a lot of times it boils down to education and how you share that education, how you apply the education that you go for. So sometimes we jump on something that it's trend, that's trendy. We jump on something that that's hot. We're not even sure how we're going to apply it. So I think that you've got to understand, run it the same way someone runs a tire business, run it the same way somebody runs a restaurant. That's something that's bigger than the, than the product. Sometimes it's even bigger than your licensure. So you've got to have all your ducks in a row with your taxes and um, how you pay yourself and whether you want tips or not and how you apply the education that you take. So if I want to take a class, I need to, under I need to know exactly what I'm going to do with what I take away from that class. When I finish this class on acne, I'm going to immediately build an acne program into, into my business instead of just taking it to take it. So always thinking about the growth of your business and how you get to the next level and how do you make choices that feed growth. And those choices, I think, Beth, are based off of business uh, acumen, meaning you make a business plan, you make your roadmap of where you want to go, you make that niche that you talked about earlier in the podcast, mm -hmm. and then you are able to make decisions clearly based on that roadmap that you've created for yourself and that niche that you want to get into. And like you said, your niche could be that I want to be a well-rounded service provider and, sure. and do everything, but then that's your roadmap to making decisions of what courses you're going to take, how you're going to uh, incorporate all those, you know, what your mission statement's going to be. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that a lot of estheticians miss the ball on this one because the entry when they enter the field or go to school, they finally find that school because no one knows what esthetician means to begin with. <laughs> right. And then when they finally find it, it's they're driven by some kind of beauty element. Right. Yes. They love doing yeah. their hair or they love doing their nails or they love doing their makeup and they love to do their makeup on Instagram and mm -hmm. and uh, get those likes, likes, likes and likes. But they don't really realize that once they've gotten into this, that whether they work for themselves or someone else, it is a business through and through and they will have to sell something. They oh, will have wow. to, which would be products and services. 
And they and themselves as the provider of why you should come to me. What's my unique selling proposition? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a it's a, a sales business as well as um, you know have the responsibility of having to continuously educate yourself. Like you said, you've got to sell the treatment. You've got to sell the product that supports the treatment. You've got to sell yourself. You've got to. You've got to. Yeah. So long, long gone is any. I tell tell students. You, if you're not interested in selling something, you're probably you're in the wrong business. You have a responsibility to sell retail. Now, how can you? You're going to send your client away with having just received this facial, because what's going to happen is they're going to go get a facial from somebody else. That person is going to educate them about why they need A, B, C, and D, and then you'll never see them again because that other person is doing what you didn't. They took your client just by educating, um, educating them, and they made more money because they sold them product. Right. Yep, exactly. So tell us, um, what is the Esthetician Success Lab? Esthetician Success Lab is a content development company. Uh, so I, you know, I build words for other licensed estheticians. So we know that you know this kind of ties in with it being a business is all of a sudden you're like, ooh, wait, I like to do facials, but I'm not sure how to write a menu. Oh, hold on a second. I need a bio. Hold on a second. I need a resume. Uh, so you're not, not everybody is fantastic with, you know, everybody's got things they're good at. So I'm not amazing with numbers. My strength is words. So uh, just you know, an example of the, the, the Esthetician Success Lab client is I have a colleague who is a mother of three, you know, three kids under, you know, under 14. She has two dogs. <laughs> she has a, a huge business with you know, 20, uh, 25 employees. She's going, going, you know, a husband, a home. She's going, going, going. At what point in time is she going to sit down for a relaxing evening and rewrite the content of her website? Is she going to build a new menu for herself? Is she going to write her own bio because she needs one? When is she going to write blogs for herself for, for her, for her business? She's like, gosh, I'd really like to send out a monthly blog. Who's going to write that? <laughs> I've got to cook dinner. I've got to call the guy who cuts the grass. The dog is sick. I have to help my oldest with her math homework. It's never going to happen, even if she wanted to. So you could certainly, you know, there's no no shortage of content developers. But can you find a content developer who is also a veteran esthetician and literally speaks your language? So, or if you want to, you need content for your website, somebody, you need somebody who knows what you know, or maybe you need somebody who knows more than you know about what you do so they can help you expand your vision. So, and that's one, you know, you can be in the treatment room taking 10 clients a day. Um, maybe I'm writing your bio. Maybe I'm building out the content for new tabs on your website. No, because it's when it's it. This is a, a niche. Aesthetics is a niche on its own. So you can't just go get somebody off of Fiverr to to build your menu or explain treatments. It doesn't work that way. Or maybe even you're amazing at what you do, and you're still like, I'm not sure how I how best to explain microcurrent and the benefits of it. That's okay. That's what I do. 
Exactly, because otherwise you're going to spend a lot of money with all those wrong choices on Fiverr or wherever else. Because mm -hmm. they just you're going to spend so much time trying to explain the industry or the service to them, and they still won't have any idea. You're and then right. they, they're going to write something horrible, and then you spent all that money. Yeah, and now you, it's, you still don't like it. It still doesn't communicate the message. Yeah, you quite frankly, you, I mean, you can't you can't hire somebody who doesn't do what you do to explain what you do. So, I mean, I'm still kind of pinching myself a little bit. Like, is it possible that I'm the only one doing this? Like, surely I'm wrong. I've got to be wrong. I'm missing something when I when like I I'll, you know I Google it. I'm like. Get out of here. Like said, there, now, there are content development um, brand or companies that write, you know, beauty copy, if you will. But they're still, it's just that, that, that surface stuff. They still don't know how to explain how microcurrent works. They still don't know how to explain the life cycle of appeal. They still don't know how to explain, um, build out a, an acne boot camp for you because they, they're not licensed. They've never been in the treatment room. They don't know anything about acne. They're good at doing the shiny stuff like explaining lipstick and eyeshadow or a body cream or something like that. So it's important to have somebody who does what you do in your corner. Yeah, that's pet, that's one of my pet peeves is the um, nothing against them, but like the girls who went to school for English and uh, communications and stuff, and they're the ones that are writing the blogs. They're the ones that are writing the magazine articles, but they're really only writing from what the company has given them and said, mm -hmm. this is our new product. This is what's in it. Make it sound uh, interesting to the reader. And that's again back to when me saying for estheticians, start becoming scientists and stop becoming the consumer because a consumer, the, the effort, having been in direct marketing all the years that I've had been in, is the effort is to persuade you to buy a product. So it doesn't matter how they go about it. It's not about fact. It's all, it can be some fiction in there. Yeah. I mean, there's, there are a lot of women in very high positions who are beauty editors who don't know the first thing about skin, but they're very good at saying, you know, using all the buzzwords and making the connections and they, they don't know anything about it. So that, you know, you, that's why I say you, you've got to stay away from, you know, the blog in self magazine or the, <laughs> this or random articles you see, like who wrote this and where they get their information. It's just wrong. And yet they're reaching a huge audience. So you know, share, find, you know, be the scientist and share what you know to change the narrative about how skin works and how to take care of it. That's um, amazing that you're doing this too, because it, I think you might be the only person in the industry doing something like this. Um, so so you, far, so good. So you don't have to worry about co competitors, right? <laughs> Just chat. Not yet. Not yet. But, you know, but I don't take that. Out. I'm like, somebody will show up eventually. Yeah. But, you know, I, I so far it's working out pretty well. And maybe, my, my clients are pretty happy. Maybe that's maybe I should cut that part out of the podcast. <laughs> that's OK. But, you know, what, Cheryl, I'm not going to worry about it. I mean, I'm there. You know, we, we should all have something we do. We do well and promote that thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm my, my list of things I do really well are, is you know, kind of short. <laughs> And I do you know things do really well, but you know, writing and writing about skincare is one of those things that where I'm not like going to bed at night like, gosh, I hope nobody shows up doing what I do. Maybe they will, yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. So, is there anything else like books or courses or things that you do that anybody should know about? 
Uh, I do. I have something very cool that uh, came out that, that debuted a few months ago that uh, I think a, a lot of estheticians are in need of for, for the reason that we spoke of a few minutes ago, that you just don't have time. So for the longest, I had seen people continuously say, I need a professional skincare specific content for my social media. So I've got something in the Esthetician Success Lab store called uh, the um, Instagram library. And it's so you know, thousands of uh, snippets of, of content, um, images that are specific to what we do um, and, and graphics. So in, if you, in there, if you use Canva, it's easy to change them up, you know, overlay your, your to, to make the content your own. So even if you're just getting started and you're like, you see yourself building your own content down the road, it's a fantastic and super easy way to get started. So you just go into the library, pick out an image, pick up, there's hashtags that go with the topics and the images. You can make them your own or you can use them as is. And then you get warmed up, you get rolling. You're like, hey, you know, I can do this. Um, you know, you can, you'd be off and running uh, on your own. And I'll be introducing a new library soon because there are some people who've used them, used them up. I'm like, I need more now. Mm -hmm. So, but the Instagram library um, is something that I love people to, to, know, know, to know more about and to put to use in their business. So because it's a huge, huge time saver. And as a follow up to that, we'll be launching in the next uh, couple weeks, uh, a library of 500 smart posts. So maybe you're the person because people love images. So that's what Instagram is about. So you're like, you know what? Images aren't my problem. You know, I can take pictures of my clients all day long. Here's the before, here's the after. Here's my treatment room, here's scene billowing, things like that. But what they don't have are the hashtags and the content to go with them. So these are smart posts that talk, you know, maybe it's just information about acne, information about hyperpigmentation, information about melasma. So you can just drop that content in um, hashtag the, the services that you that you offer, or even the hashtag the um, the product line that you use, um, that type of thing, and ma make it yours. So you're not sitting there like, what should I say about this? Oh wait a minute, <laughs> let me just go over to my you know my smart posts and find something. So literally cut and paste. You know, the content has been written for you. So that's what's I would love for them to take a look at the Instagram library and look forward to the smart post library. Yeah, I need that because I, not only do I not have the time, I have the, I don't have the temperament. How you didn't have the temperament for lash extensions, I don't have the temperament for social media. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's in a lot of people said it's easy to make it your own. Even if it's already, you know, set to go, you put drop in a couple of your own. Because my that's another thing. I can't take your hashtags. You know, if you're, you know, Cheryl's Skin Clinic, that's yours. And all the little things that you make. So it's easy to take the content as is, put a little bit of a spin on it, and now it's unlike anyone else's. Right. So, Beth, where do people find you on Instagram, Facebook, your website? How do they get in contact with you? Yeah, I kept it real simple. Uh, it's you know, www.estheticiansuccesslab.com. I am you know, at Esthetician Success Lab on Instagram and uh, same for Facebook. Well, that's so, easy. Yeah, I'm, it's, I'm super easy to find. There's no underscore or number added to it. 
So uh, I, I'm hoping, you know, you know, it's, you know there's, as you know, there's always something else to do that I've got a podcast on the horizon. So hopefully in the next um, couple months, that'll be up and running. Oh, that'll be great, too. Between you <laughs> and tag Cheryl Stroud. <laughs> so um, thank you for all the information that you shared with us today. It was really a pleasure speaking with you. Oh, thank you so much, Cheryl. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Well, that was so much information. I hope you took notes. I really enjoyed speaking with Beth, and I hope that you search her out at Esthetician Success Lab. I'm Cheryl Stroud, and you've been listening to Skin 365 Expert, the podcast. You can follow Skin 365 Expert and Cheryl M. Stroud on Instagram, or visit us at skin365expert.com on the web. If you haven't already, Go to Apple Podcast and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Skin 365 Expert Conversation. Thank you for listening.